Well, beloved, today we come to Revelation 22, verse 21. It is the last verse of the Bible in the last book of the Bible, the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, particularly written to encourage the church uh, during persecution between the first and second coming of Christ uh, to hold fast and overcome. That's something he says a lot at the beginning to the churches. And uh, how do we ultimately hold fast and overcome, not of our own power or works, uh, not by thy works nor thy power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts, right? In Zechariah 4. Uh, so here, how does it happen? Grace upon grace. We're going to be hearing a lot about grace today. Beloved, I want to challenge you as I challenged one of our lovely people uh, before the service outside today. Uh, I really appreciate how you all respond to the powerful preaching, especially when it's driving home the need to live the right way, trust the Lord. Um, you know, there was some encouraging responses last week to the preaching that might be more of a convicting kind of thing and a call upon our lives, how we should live. But I want to challenge you as I did someone else today. Beloved, may you hear all of this grace today just as powerfully for you. Uh, may you respond to the grace. The, the, pray, I pray that there's always grace in every message, of course, but this is particularly about grace today. It's the context of everything, and if we miss that, we miss everything. And nothing we do for the Lord matters at all, right? Uh, it's all because of Christ's grace. It's by His grace. And uh, we want to bathe in His grace today, this morning and this evening. And in God's providence, the quote in the bulletin Are you ready for grace? If you aren't moved about that and excited, I want to challenge you, beloved. What are you doing here? <laughs> you and I need grace. Maybe I can ask it this way. And I am trying to prime the pump and, and prepare you to hear this for yourself, not just for the other guy <laughs> or the other gal, just as much as other kinds of sermons need to be just as much for us. Uh, have you approached today as I do feeling what happened to my week? I, I'm, I'm never enough. I can't do enough. I can never get it all done. I can never do it right. And uh, while I made some steps forward, I had some steps back. And uh, God have mercy on me. Exactly. We need God's grace all the time. It's always God's grace. Receive it today. Receive God's grace today. Maybe I need to say it really loud. Receive God's grace today, beloved. Okay? Are you ready? All right. I hope you're ready. Receive God's grace. Uh, Revelation 22, verse 21. Hear the word of the Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Again, beloved, these are the very last words of the Bible. I'm kind of getting goosebumps, are you not? These are his last words for you, his church. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now, there's been a lot of stuff through this whole book, right? A lot of amazing visions. And early in the church, the seven churches, the letters to Asia are very strong. There's a lot of hammering and there's a lot of call to repentance and changing. But he closes it with, as we'll see in a moment, grace, grace. Okay, so I'll have a little fun with you, especially for our younger people. But there's this thing called a letter, uh, we have this thing where you take a piece of paper 
and uh, maybe most of us would just type on it. I'm more of a typer because my handwriting's horrible. Uh, try as I might, I, I have to try not to covet over Mr. Renner's printing, and as I've seen Mr. Vermillion's printing. Uh, but um, you know, there's this thing called cursive, also, you know, and what happens is you write a letter and you you address the person. This is a lost art, and if you don't mind, I'm playing a little bit, but I want to make sure the children especially know what a letter is. Even in email, we should usually start dear so-and-so and end it with a great, but you find so often, especially in a reply, even to the most formal email, a response that doesn't address the person and doesn't close with who you are, and it's fairly robotic. I blame texting for that, and I even challenge people, you know, when you send a text, you should try to use the person's name. And, and then try to respond with your name. Have a bit of a greeting. And I find I'm just as bad about that over time. It's just so easy. Just, you know, uh, the, the elders, I don't know that they ever text me without, hey, brother. You know, that's the idea, right? And then there is a closing. You know, you start usually with a date. And then you start uh, with, yeah, I remember even in college, in a communications class, we were taught how to write letters, <laughs> you know, and uh, you, you write the person's name and address, yada, yada, after you have yours, unless you're using letterhead, and then it's dear so-and-so usually, right? And then the body of the letter, and then you close the letter, right? And if it's not there, you're like, oh, did I miss it? Is a page missing? You know, sincerely. Grant, or, you know, something like that. This is called the complementary close. That's what it's referred to, the complementary close. Uh, the close of a letter, it communicates the relationship context and the relationship commitment, especially when we're writing letters to our loved ones. You often hear these beautiful stories about letters of moms to their sons at war and sons back to their mother. They're quite endearing, but they always say, dear mom, and they always close with a loving close, your son, your loving son, something like that. Often our letters, we would sign it something like yours truly, Grant Van Leeuwen, something like that. Or love, especially if it's a love letter to one of our, to our, one of our loved ones, uh, especially if it's husband and wife or wanting to be husband or wife, right? Love, Grant, love so-and-so, right? Uh, you know, for instance, if I were to write something to Fernanda, I'm not going to say, um, I don't know. I wouldn't say sincerely. I would say love, even though sincerely there's a place for that, right? Or what if I just said grant, <laughs> right? It wouldn't be the same. We have a sign-off, a complimentary close. Sometimes it might be forever yours or fond regards or best regards, grant, or often sincerely grant. So Jesus, in the very last words of his revelation, and therefore the Bible, ends greeting you with grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. You don't quite have a uh, uh, Sincerely, John at the end, he does identify himself at the beginning, but maybe not because, as we'll see, it starts with the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's Christ's letter, remember, to the churches of Asia. And so Christ signs it with a signature and he says, Grace. Grace. Christ's last words to his church communicate unmerited favor. I don't deserve this. Exactly. And he gives it to you. 
<laughs> you never deserve it. We never deserve it. I was almost ready to preach Deuteronomy 9 next week, Lord willing. And I'm telling you, this is, that's the, it's the basics again. Unmerited favor. You do not deserve to conquer. You do not deserve to go into the promised land. You're rebellious and you're stubborn. And it's only because of the mediator that you are going in and I'm still with you. It's grace. It's all grace. And that's the whole reminder of the gospel. We'll come back next week. I'll give you more than that. But that's essentially it. It's grace. It's grace. And so it's emphasized the very last words. Grace. What is grace? Remember, grace is a gift, not works. By grace, Ephesians 2, by grace are ye saved, 2.9, through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the work of God, not of man, lest any man should boast. Right? We boast only in the Lord. We give glory in the Lord. It's a gift. Giving you what you don't deserve. We often think of the contrast or the complementary idea of mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. Eternal hell and cursing and wrath. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Calling God who should be our judge, Father. Having him call upon us who should say enemy, son, daughter. Forgiveness from God is grace. Reconciliation with God is grace. Peace with God is grace. An eternal relationship with God to enjoy now and forever is grace. So the revelation opens with grace. It closes the last words, grace. But that's how it opens too. This is what we call an inclusio. It's a bookends. It's the whole way the thing is framed and to be understood. Grace. Look with me to chapter 1 of Revelation. Verses 4 to 6. And, uh, excuse me, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you. And peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Before I continue, remember we just started reading Leviticus this morning. How can sinful men be with the Holy God washing, cleansing by the blood of the Lamb. Verse 7, behold, he cometh with clouds. He's coming for us. But verses 4 to 6, grace is given to us. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, washing us with his blood. Yes, he's got a call upon our life about how to live, but that's because he's given us eternal life and an abundant life to live. Notice again, especially verse 5, from Jesus Christ, from Jesus Christ. Verse 4, grace be unto you. The greeting, grace be unto you. Just as he closes, grace to you. The opening and closing of the whole letter has to be how we understand everything that's within it. A call to repentance, to be made right, to live better, to live in the world, but not of it. Not to be cast down with Babylon, but to be continuing in the land, to be willing to die for him if necessary. In the context of grace. 
because of what he's given to us, eternal life through himself. Today's text, back to Revelation uh, 22, verse 21, if you turn that back there with me, please. Our text today, just noticing it closes out as it opens. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. This grace is of the Lord Jesus Christ, just as we saw in chapter one there. It's of Jesus. It's by his blood washing away our sins, making us holy before the Lord by his perfect eternal, his perfect life. It's of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice where it says, grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. You might notice this in italics. Uh, That's because the word isn't there. It's literally the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ with you all. Amen. Uh, The word order, I think, is a a little extra different as well. But the main thing I want to point out to, and this isn't something to trouble you or say it shouldn't be translated this way for us, but there's not literally any be in the Greek. You see, here's why I draw it out. It's not only a wish that we might be in the Lord Jesus Christ's grace. It's a reality now. It could be perhaps said, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is with you all. Amen. I think that's the idea of it, really. May it be with you because it is. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ will be with you all because it already is with you all. May it continue to be with you all. And it will be. Why? Because of his grace. Because Jesus Christ is what? Ours, our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus is our Lord. He has us and we have him. God sees us in our union with Christ, the blood of Christ, the righteousness and holiness of Christ. This is all grace. He credits us with his righteousness. He puts his righteousness, he imputes it into us. He justifies us by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So grace is with us all, with all of you. He says, be with all of you. Jesus is the head of the body, and so we, the body, have his grace. Amen. What does he finally close with the last word? Amen. Remember what that means? Truly. You could say sincerely. So the other epistles, the letters all through the New Testament, mainly open and close with some kind of greeting of grace. Also, peace. Grace and truth, but so often, almost all of them open and close with grace. They greet you with grace and they close with a complimentary close of their letters with grace. Grace upon grace. Just like the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is his letter, verse 1 of chapter 1, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is why John names himself later, which is why he closes from Christ. The letter is from Christ to the churches of Asia. And it is to help you endure and persevere. The revelation is particularly to help you, the church, endure, overcome the world and persevere and live a holy life for the Lord. Why? Because of what's said in the revelation. You've washed your robes in the blood of the Lamb. He's made you clean, kings and priests of the Most High God. How do you persevere and endure ultimately, though? Grace. Grace. Grace is why you get up in the morning. Grace is how you get up in the morning. 
Grace is how you start another week, just like me saying, I didn't get the last week done like I hoped. Now what am I going to do? As your responsibilities bear on you higher and higher, grace. No, we're not good enough. Christ is more than good enough. Christ is only enough. Grace. Grace. So John the Baptist, speaking of Christ in John 1 verse 16 says, And of his, of Christ's fullness, have all we received, and grace for grace. Sometimes translated grace upon grace. Grace for grace. The superfluous way of saying it, the way it begins, the way it continues, the way we end Grace upon grace. John Calvin speaks about that text saying, We are watered with the graces which were poured out on Christ. Matthew Henry speaking on John 1.16 and this phrase, grace for grace, he writes this, Our receivings by Christ are all summed up in this one word, Grace. We have received so great a gift, so rich, so invaluable. We have received no less than grace. This is a gift to be spoken of with an emphasis. It is repeated grace for grace for to every stone in this building as well to the top stone. We must cry grace, grace. And he's referring back to Zechariah four. Remember the top stones put on and what are they crying when God finishes the building, which they can't even see it. But it's not by their might, by by his might and his spirit. And they're crying grace, grace. And remember the temple needed to be rebuilt because of all their sin. But it's grace, grace that rebuilds it. Matthew Henry goes on to say, It is grace, the goodwill of God towards us, and the good work of God in us. God's good will works the good work, and then the good work qualifies us for further tokens of his good will. As the cistern receives water from the fullness of the fountain, the branches sap from the fullness of the root, and the air light from the fullness of the sun, so we receive grace from the fullness of Christ. It bespeaks the augmentation and continuation of grace. Grace for grace is one grace to improve, confirm, and perfect another grace. God has graciously given life. God is graciously working that life out in us. God graciously sustains us, lets us persevere into the end until we enter graciously into eternal life in the new heavens and the new earth. It's all grace for grace. Or as Christ opens and closes the revelation with a greeting to you, grace. So, beloved, Jesus greets you at the beginning and the end of his letters with grace. Indeed, beloved, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. John 1, 17. James 4, verse 6. He giveth more grace. God giveth grace unto the humble.
1 Peter 1, 10 and 13. Jesus, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus said in Luke, the prophets, the Psalms, the law are all written about me. And what does Peter say here? The prophets are looking into, waiting to see what coming in Christ? Grace. It's all about grace. Now, the prophets have a lot of words rebuking and calling to repentance. But the context and the reason and the way is always grace. Romans 5, 20 to 21. Part of our text with Richard Phillips teaching us in class this morning. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ, our Lord. Remember Philippians, what a blessing it was to go through that book, that letter from Paul together. It opened and closed the same. For uh, Philippians 1, 2 and ver, uh, chapter 4, verse 23. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Opens and closes. Grace. And by the way, grace unto you and peace. Where's the peace come from? The grace. Ephesians 1, 2 to 7. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Notice that right now it's speaking to you Christians as Colossians does. You're in the heavenly places now. How is that possible? Grace. Do you deserve that? No. It's given to you. Favor. To be in God's presence. Grace. I go on. Ephesians 1, 2 to 7. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. And so, beloved, keep singing, as you did this morning, of Jesus in Psalm 45, 2. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Therefore hath God blessed thee forever. Grace is poured into the lips of Christ. Thus he pours out his words of grace upon you from beginning to end. 
Thus, beloved Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, I often recite that from memory and I forget about the second grace. I talk about finding mercy, but then it just emphasizes grace. Yeah, I'm not going to give you what you deserve, mercy, but let's double it up and speak about grace twice. Second Peter three, verse 18, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And beloved, remember this along the way. Second Corinthians twelve nine. My grace is sufficient for thee. Naturally, his grace is sufficient and only the thing that gives us life. But living out that life with its often its difficulties and afflictions, my grace is sufficient for thee. Samuel Rutherford writes, every day we may see some new thing in Christ. His love hath neither brim nor broom. Oh, excuse me, brim nor bottom. Think of the top of the cup, brim or the broom. There's no bottom, there's no top, there's just so much grace. Let me read that again since I butchered it. (laughs) Every day we may see some new thing in Christ. His love hath neither brim nor bottom. His cup runneth over. May you see something new of Christ's lovely grace every day of your life. And at its end, this is how you face your death. Grace. And we're all going to be on our deathbeds if we know we're about to be there. And what's going to happen? Oh, the accuser will try to hit us hard. And he'll try to remind us of all our sins and all our guilt outside of Christ. And we need to remember Christ and our union with him and his righteousness given to us by grace. As I believe it was Jay Gresham Mason wrote a letter to uh, John Murray or the other way around. I'm pretty sure it was Mason said while he was traveling, doing ministry and, and ended up dying in the Midwest. Uh, one of the things might have been a telegraph. He sent back and said, I'm so thankful for the active obedience of Christ. That is the righteous life of Christ. That is giving me what I don't deserve eternal life by giving me his righteousness, imputing and accrediting me with his perfect righteousness. So I have eternal life. Ah, grace for grace, grace upon grace. But beloved, the whole book of the Bible opens with grace too. It closes with grace, Revelation, which closes the whole Bible. Revelation opens with grace, but the Bible opens with grace too. And of course it opens with his goodness before the fall in creation. But very soon the fall, original sin, and what immediately comes? Grace. Genesis 3.15, God says to the serpent, to the devil, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. You could turn to Revelation 12 to help you see that's talking about the church and Christ coming out to save us. Bruising thy heel. How does Jesus bruise the head of Satan? You shall bruise his heel on the cross, right? The nails between his hands and feet. 
but this is the Proto-Evangelium. It's often referred to the first good news. Right at the beginning, right after the fall, Christ opens with grace. The first good news. He's going to destroy Satan. He's going to destroy him on the cross to give us grace. Though Satan is referred to in Ephesians 6 as the ruler of this world and other places in the New Testament, the ruler, the prince palities, he's in charge. God, God, through Christ, is taking back the world and giving it to be inherited by his beloved by grace. He gives you all things. He gives you the inheritance of the world and all his riches by grace. And he opens in Genesis with grace after the fall. And he closes here in Revelation with grace, you see. To all in Christ, grace. To all from Christ, grace. I'm encouraged to see you nodding and speaking the words. Okay, we're tracking together. Just as much as how we're supposed to live in grace, live by grace. Though you have fallen in Adam, in the Lord Jesus Christ, you stand in grace. More on that tonight. How do you stand? In grace. And though you lay down in death at your last day on earth, you will rise in heaven seeing your Lord Jesus Christ standing to receive you because of grace. That he's already given to you by laying down himself in the grave. Like Jesus was standing to greet Stephen in Acts chapter 7. It's so beautiful. Verses 55 to 56. Because of grace. Stephen understands. He gives the whole history of redemptive history. We need God's grace. And they stone him for such a sermon as he calls them out. The religious ones who should know better. They kill him for it. And as he's entering into death, he sees himself entering to heaven. He looks and he sees Christ. Now, we always hear of Christ in heaven sitting on his throne, expressing his authority and the finished work of salvation. But what do we see here? We see Jesus standing. Why? To receive Stephen in because of grace. But he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Beloved, because of grace, so will you see the Lord of glory greeting you at your death. Because he's greeted you at the beginning of death in the fall with grace and the proto-evangelium. Because he opens the book of Revelation right before he's going to hammer how you got to change your life and live better. He opens with grace. And then he closes the whole book and the whole Bible with grace. He greets you with grace from beginning to end and all throughout. And so he will greet you as you enter heaven because of grace. And so he greets you now, beloved, at the Lord's Supper this morning and every Lord's Day. Every Lord's Day morning with grace in the Lord's Supper. Reminding you to remember him. That is to remember his body and remember his blood. That is to remember his grace. He sends you away from this worship service in the end with grace, reminding you it has been secured for you forever by his body and blood once and for all on the cross. His grace, thus your grace that you have because he is ours. Beloved, may you see and hear and may you eat and drink every morning and evening that your Jesus greets you with abounding 
grace. And that is the message for you this morning. Your Jesus greets you with abounding grace. You ever feel like you can't address him in prayer? You ever feel like you can't come to him in the morning? You ever feel you can't approach him at night? Or let's just say three minutes after breakfast. How does he greet you? So long as you're approaching him with mercy and humility? Good morning. Fill in your name. Grace to you. In the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and me. And how does he close the letter as he says, now go on back out there, get back on the bike. <laughs> Kicks you in the pants a little bit. Come on. I'm with you. I'm holding the seat. How's he send you out there? Yours truly. Yours sincerely. Forever yours. Yours in grace. Jesus Christ. Amen. Your Jesus greets you with abounding grace from beginning to end. Hear the end and remember your eternal beginning. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. I'm glad for God's grace to let me keep preaching. I keep fumbling over my words, but they're the perfect places because I have to repeat the best parts here once more. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And beloved, just as much as I love your hearty amens to sermons about sanctification and growth and holiness and battling the world, may I get an amen. 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 Let us close in prayer. Oh, Lord God, we do thank you for Jesus Christ and grace upon grace in him. Bless us with a reminder even further now of this greeting and close with the Lord's Supper. We would remember you that we remember grace. And we pray in Jesus' name and all your people's sake.